right, everybody, welcome back to the Big Gold Pod, Big Gold Belt Podcast. Excuse me. Um, this is Aaron coming back with you, and it's just going to be a duo or a two-person O, if you will. It's just me and Celis tonight. Uh, Celis, how are you tonight, my friend? I'm good. How are you, A.A. Ron? I'm good. I went and saw Pitch Perfect 2 with the wife this evening. Um, couple things. First of all, the Green Bay Packers um, are a competitive group. Clay Matthews was incredible. Uh, my wife's a big Packers fan, so that was awesome. Um, I was having a hard time spotting Lana. Do you know what part she played in the movie? Because I, I did not, and I was trying to find her. That I do not remember. I remember she was in the first one. I know she had a small, small part, but I do not know what her character's name was or what she did in the group. I will have to watch the first one again. So before I see the second one, I definitely will have to watch that first one again to see what she did. But since you mentioned the Green Bay Packers, I did see a few trailers. I'm kind of excited to see what they do when I see the movie. Granted, I do have to take the wife, too. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'll use that as my hidden agenda. There you to go. Try to make sure I see that movie. <laughs> Very good, very good. Uh, but that's good. But I do have a plug I want to put in. I'm not sure, Aaron, if you know about Access TV. Like, literally, in the even time right before the game on, I was about 7 o'clock my time here in the D.C. area. And I was trying to figure out what can I watch before the game comes on, you know, for 8.30 tip-off time. So I came across Access TV. Have you ever heard of the show Voice Versus? No. Okay, so you definitely need to check this out. Fans that are listening, I don't know if you know of Access TV. Uh, it's something that came across that is uh, uh, unedited or, you know, full out, you know, full, no no edits or anything type of show. And it's a wrestling show that had a New Japan Pro Wrestling on there that actually showed a past event from 2014 that had AJ Styles in it. Shelton Benjamin, uh, Luke Gallows was also an appearance on the show. But before they had that New Japan Pro Wrestling they had Voice versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was an interview with the guy that hosts this. I forgot his name. I think Michael something. And he interviewed, like an hour-long interview with Stone Cold. I mean, it was full-fledged, unedited, like it was TVMA. But it was probably the greatest interview I've ever heard Stone Cold be a part of. And for him to be in his character of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but so the, show the emotions, emotional side that he had, with that interview, talking about past events with uh, the injury with Owen Hart, uh, the epic match at WrestleMania 17 with Bret Hart, his matches against The Rock, it just showed a great side of Stone Cold that if you ever get a chance to watch it, maybe you can Google it or anything, Access TV, Voice versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, you got to check it out. So, um, was this like a recent interview, or was it like something from the past? I believe it was more recent. I think it was more recent. Maybe it may have been a plug for his upcoming podcast himself, you know, on the WWE Network, where he's going to have Paul Heyman on June 1st, where I'm really, really looking forward yes, to. Yes, yes, But I'm not sure. It didn't say new when I was looking at the info. It might have been recorded maybe a couple of months ago, but it was definitely my first time seeing it. My first time coming across Access TV. Um, so if you live in the D.C. area, it's Channel 569 on the Verizon Files channel. I'm not sure about Comcast or where else it's going to be, but definitely it's worth a check out if you can find it anywhere. It's definitely worth it. Well, thank you for the plug, man. Yeah, we get we have access here. We have DirecTV, and it's like, I want to say it's in the 200s somewhere. So I, I occasionally watch New Japan um, on there. It's tough to watch New Japan on there because they're all like pre-recorded and me with wrestling, I need to have the story or I is hard for right. me to engage in. It's a lot of just random best of matches 
Um, if there's not, if there's Shinsuke Nakamura on there, I don't know how familiar you are with New Japan, but Shinsuke Nakamura is like. Jim Ross called their Wrestle Kingdom Nine pay per view back in January, and he compared. He said he takes a lot of inspiration from Freddie Freddie Mercury from Queen, as well as Michael Jackson. I'll have to put up his entrance from Wrestle Kingdom Nine. It's just amazing, and he really works that strong style, that New Japan style. You can kind of see how uh, Daniel Bryan jacked a lot of his move set from some of these Japanese wrestlers. Which could it could explain due to his smaller stature why he hasn't held up um, over the long term duration of his career why he's having so many injuries right now because those guys beat each other up. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. I would say the last two matches on Wrestle Kingdom Nine it was Nakamura versus I think the guy's name was Ibushi, and then they had Tanahashi versus um, Okada in the main event. Both matches I would at least rank four stars or higher. They're really great. Um, nice. Hey, if people can follow our Facebook page at Big Gold Belt Group, maybe we can put some, you know, some <laughs> pictures or some YouTube videos on it. You know, make sure you follow us and check out and like our page. You know. Yeah, man. I I've actually we just started the podcast like what four days ago. We've got yep. several followers already. We've gotten uh, mad listens on the podcast server. We've been kind of following up on that. So um, I just think it's going to continue to grow and grow. We're already talking about making t-shirts for when our group is in Dallas and the Arlington area yes. next year. So uh, look for a bunch of dudes wearing white and orange shirts. That will be us. And we will Absolutely. be, we, we will be raising havoc. Um, what, yes, we were, what we were going to do today, um, the two of us, along with Dwayne, who couldn't join us tonight, we have been to various uh, WWE live events over the past three weeks or so. And we just wanted to take some time to recap our experiences. So I'm going to kind of interview Celis first because he and Dwayne just attended WWE's Payback pay-per-view uh, in Baltimore this past Sunday. My first question, not even related to the show, um, how was Baltimore? How long were you in the city? What was the vibe like? It certainly seems to have improved based on what I've seen on the news, but can you speak a little bit to what Baltimore is like right now? Um, honestly, I think Baltimore is still healing. But it's in a great place. Uh, you saw a lot of atmosphere of people supporting each other, walking through downtown. Because we're, if you're from the Baltimore area, you probably know Camden Yards or you know Raven Stadium, MT Bank Stadium. It's about a one and a half, two minute walk to where Royal Farms Arena is in downtown Baltimore. And just the, just the atmosphere of driving through Baltimore, seeing people walk, you see the city is still healing like nothing ever happened. We know it's still in the back of our heads. Uh, the events that we saw on the news and the events that we saw on CNN. And it was a great sight to see. I know I was texting uh, Dr. Mitchell, who I went to WrestleMania 27 with in Atlanta, and I was just telling him just the sight to see everybody outside two hours before the show even started. It looked like we were going to a WrestleMania event, and that was very good. Everybody was lined up, eager, happy, talking about, you know, just past WrestleMania, how people were excited. It was so exciting. That six o'clock in the evening time, we had New Day chance before the doors even yes, opened. You know, yes, yes. New Day sucks. New Day sucks. You know, everybody <laughs> the, the appropriate clap to go with it. It was just great to see. But one thing I wish WWE would do, since they're doing their pay per views where they're having their pre show about an hour before, I wish they would let people in about six o'clock. It was a little bit of struggle getting in about seven. You saw people trying to rush to their seats to try to get ready for the pre show. 
But then again, do I want to get something to eat? Do I want to get something to drink? Mm-hmm. Um, so WWE, if you're listening to this, you know, you can open your doors one hour early just to get more people in to try to save the crowds. But it was just an excellent crowd to see everybody out there during that time. So just to clarify, how much time from doors until the start of the pre-show did you guys have? Let's see. So we got there about six. So we stood outside in about, about 45 minutes where they start to slowly let people in. And Royal Farms Arena is so small, so that was the greatness that we could really kind of get to our seats in a somewhat timely fashion. Mm-hmm. If you was in a bigger arena or a stadium, it might have been a struggle, but we really didn't get comfortable in our seats to about 7.15. And if you followed the pre-show, you know, live on the WWE Network, you saw probably they started that first uh, pre-show match with Stardust and R-Truth about 7.15. Um, so I was surprised at the time. I didn't look at anything prior to today. I normally don't like to check out any, like, feeds or any undercover stories to see what happens, any changes. I like to be surprised going into the pay-per-view or the event. And I was surprised to see Stardust and R-Truth start off the first of two pre-show matches at about 7.15 local time. So I just wish it was a little bit more time for people to get in their seats because it was only half capacity. And I don't know if it showed off well on TV like that, um, that it was just so empty in the arena by that time for those for that performance for the first match. That's crazy, man. I... It kind of reminds me of, um, this would have been back in 2006, I attended WrestleMania 22 in the Chicago area. Technically, the, the arena that they run is in Rosemont, which is where O'Hare Airport is at. And they opened doors an hour before the, um, they had one pre-show match. It was a battle royal that Big Daddy V won, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it was funny because they had it down to like him, and I want to say it was Road Warrior Animal who was still working actively with the company at the time. And he's a Chicago guy, so I thought they'd have him win it, but that wasn't to be. But we only got in an hour early before a WrestleMania. Now, granted, this wasn't a stadium. This was just, this would have been the last arena mania that they've done since then. And we only got in an hour before. It was crazy. Um, I certainly hope that when we are down in Arlington next year that we... With, if as many people as they're wanting to get there actually come there, we're going to need at least a solid two hours of uh, doors before the pre-show starts because they had quite an epic pre-show this year, and that's not something I think anybody wants to miss for sure. Right, exactly. I agree totally. So let's, um, I'll kind of run down the card real quick, and if you, if you have commentary, um, and I might have questions about specific matches, the big pre-show match, I wanted to ask you how the uh, the Nouveau Mega Powers, if you will. First of all, how over were they with the crowd live? And secondly, was the crowd bummed or happy that the Ascension went over, which I didn't expect? Um, one thing I will say about the Baltimore crowd, this is my second pay-per-view uh, in Baltimore. I went to one in 2007. Which one? Uh, oh, God. What was it called back in 2007? It's not in existence no more. Um, was it New Year's Revolution? No. MVP. I might have to do some real quick research. Capital uh, Punishment? No, not Capital Punishment. Uh, gosh. MVP had lost to Matt Hardy where he won the U.S. title for the first time. What was the main um, event? It was a, a fatal foray for the main event. It was JBL, Randy Orton, John Cena, and Triple H for the WWE title. Wow. And during that time, Triple H had won it. He won it off, I think it was Randy Orton, if I believe, and it was the elimination fatal four-way. And huh. I remember that was my first time seeing JBL live, and he got eliminated in like two minutes. Because oh, that he was stinks. in the down part of his career. Yeah. He still had back problems. Um, and it was like a kind of double elimination with him and John Cena. Then it became a Randy Orton versus Triple H final. Uh, it wasn't over the li- backlash. That's what it, it was. It was backlash? Okay. Yes. 
I think it was one of the last backlashes before they had changed that uh, to Extreme Rules a little bit later down the line. Okay. Um, so this is my second pay-per-view in the Baltimore area. And for, for that that pre-show match, you know, with the Ascensions and the Mega Powers, you could tell, let's say the split was about 70-30 about adults 70% and kids 30%. Okay. The adults, all you could see was just nostalgia all over the place. Kind of like the reaction when you see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come back to the movie theater or all these Marvel comics coming, you know, live <laughs> on the big screen. That's the nostalgia you felt they had. The kids, you could tell, were like, is that really Hulk Hogan? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it was kind of funny to see that. So you could tell, myself included, we were just saying, okay, what's going to happen? Everybody was like, you know, hey, we loved it because of the way Mandel came out and, and Curtis Axel played his part to the T, you know, doing Hulkster. Um, so everybody wanted to see how the match was going to be booked. That was the feeling. And when you saw how the match portrayed, and of course the Ascension had one in a very short match, you kind of felt like it was appropriate. One, it was a pre-show. Two, you wanted to make sure the Mega Powers get their uh, signature moves right to make sure they had that element of the nostalgia coming real. But you felt like the Ascension needed to go over. They needed some type of win to elevate themselves in this tag team division. Um, so people wasn't upset about, you know, the result, I think they was more upset that uh, Mandow could not do the famous elbow drop off the top rope. <laughs> Everybody was looking for that. Yeah. Um, but it, it was still wasn't a bad pre-show match. Very short, quick pace, nothing too exciting, but it did what it needed to do. Gave you a little bit of taste of what was coming to the show, in my opinion. I think the Ascension could be a great throwback, like, late 80s heel tag team. Um, I don't think the announcing team does them any favors. And, I mean, there's, like putting heat on a guy, and then there's just running them down and burying them, and I'm not really sure what JBL's being told to say and what he's choosing to say, but I, I think it's kind of terrible considering how really well they were built up when they were in NXT, but we'll go ahead and move on. Um, the Sheamus and Dolph match didn't do much for me. I, I did you have anything notable to say about that, or can we move right into the New Day match? No, we can move right to the New Day match. Basically, it was just a repeat of what happened at Extreme Rules, and Sheamus went over. You know, good pace, good match, but, I mean, we've seen it before, so you can go right to the New Day match. Yeah, and kind of jumping ahead to when I went to the SmackDown tapings in late April, um, I also got to see these two teams work. It was a rematch because they New Day had just gone over on, um, I guess it would have been Extreme Rules right before that. And right. um, I, I thought it was great. It was a two- or three-segment match, and mm-hmm. I think they have great chemistry. I really wish, and maybe they're going to build to it, I love the heat that they're teasing um, between Xavier and Natalia. And mm-hmm. I would love to see a Freebird rule really put hard and fast in a place and have those two even go at it in the ring. I think that would be tremendous. But um, I think it would. Clearly, New Day were, uh, were at least semi-over with the live crowd in Baltimore, and you said there were chants before the pay-per-view. So tell me about how New Day do on a pay-per-view atmosphere uh, live and in person. Now, granted, let's first talk about WWE being TVPG, and if you follow some other podcasts or even some other YouTube videos, you will see that, I guess, people can think New Day could be a little bit edgier, thinking they want to be like the Nation of Domination back from the Attitude Era. But in this very PG era, based on the script that they had to give for their promos, I think they did very well based on having to come across that cheesy role, but still make sure they bring enough heat on themselves to keep their chance going, uh, to try to put heat about, you know, went to Adam Jones, you know, with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I thought that was very fun. Uh, but these guys just know how to put on a show. They were over from start to begin. Remember I told you from the beginning, like you just mentioned, it was a New Jay chance. 
like there were Ric Flair chants. If I can say my top three chants, New Day chants got over Ric Flair chants at the <laughs> beginning of the show. Uh, but during the show, you know, everybody was basically stand up. And even though they messed up on some aspects of the match, of course, every match will be clean. There will be some mess up, some botches in between. But to me, as far as crowd energy, which always helps the energy of the wrestlers perform, it was definitely, in my opinion, uh, the match of the night. Because these two, and back when you say when you saw them in Illinois, they brought a story. It's a true story from feud from a start to a continuing as they go on to the next pay-per-view that they have a back-and-forth story with each other. Uh, the one thing that you wish you heard live was... Uh, Xavier's chance about trying to get the free bird rule so he can get in the match. I didn't even hear that part until oh, I saw it, was, it again. It was, so, it was so funny. I was laughing out loud. He was. It was so funny. But you see his antics there live, but you know he's doing something, but you're like, what, what, what was he saying? What yeah. was he saying? It's too um, bad they can't mic that at least a little bit for the live crowd. I agree with you. I agree. Remember, like, Abraham Washington, he had the oh. live, like, live like, when the primetime players were wrestling. Oh. I thought it was awesome. What is that um, guy doing now? That guy was awesome. Uh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I, I miss him. Didn't they fire Carter. him for making like a Kobe joke or something about yeah. things that were inappropriate that we're not going to talk about on the air? I think he was in Colorado at the time, if I can remember. Yeah. Right. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the exact comment was, but it was edgy. And I guess, you know, yeah, WWE had to cut that. I but, guess. Um, the match the match was just great. Um, can I, can I ask just, this? And this, yeah. this happened to me watching it at home. I was wondering if it happened to you guys there. Did they hype it much that it was a two out of three falls? Because, like, after the first fall happened, I was like, well, shoot, that was over quick. And then I remembered that that was the stipulation. But they didn't really hype it a ton before the match. Did you guys remember it was two out of three falls? I know, personally, I, I remember it. And you could tell most of the adult crowd probably remember it. But the kids kind of chanted real loudly, like, oh, it's over. They won. The faces won. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the crowd pretty much knew it was the two out of three malls. And I, I think it was announced beforehand. I can't remember. But I remember after that first pin, they said the winner of the first fall. Yeah. So, and that kind of brought people down a little bit. But after that first fall, you was expecting, okay, what was going to happen? Because you remember, I think the Usos had beat uh, Harper and Rowan in two straight. Yeah, two out of three falls match. I was a little bit worried about that, Mm -hmm. honestly, for a second. But I thought it was booked and paced very well. And the ending uh, with the twin magic, uh, I thought it was kind of funny in in, in a way. Uh, People had some background racist talks that I heard in post comments about it. But you know, (laughs) I was a little worried about that in Baltimore, man. (laughs) I was not worried. I was not thinking about that. I thought it was a very good way to at least the first step of adding more heat. Oh yeah. to the match. But one thing I will say, Xavier Woods will be the star out of this group by the time it's all said and done. I think he has the best mic work. He might not have the best ring work yet. I think he still needs to develop that finishing move. But to be honest with you, I would love to see if all three members can hold some gold at some point. Uh, maybe Kofi and Big E can hold the tag titles while, you know, Xavier holds the U.S. or the Intercontinental. I think that would be great if that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's... Three other matches I wanted to touch on briefly. Um, the Bray Wyatt versus Ryback match was really, really weird for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just the the um, the components of the feud weren't well built, in my opinion. I'm not sure what it was. I think both guys can go. Ryback's clearly improved. Um, what um, did, Was that match not as over with the crowd as it could have been, in your opinion? Or what was your experience like with that match? I think for me... Um my story was, and I think most of the people that are around it, because we had great wrestling people that was around us, conversations going. We even had a bachelor party that was, like, right there in front of us. That was wow. a great wrestling crowd. Um, 
I think the feeling was, one, you had a pre-match video that featured only Ryback. Nothing with Bray Wyatt. You're it right. wasn't much of a story between those two, but it was all Ryback. So you're thinking, okay, this guy's about to be pushed a little bit. Are you expecting him to win? And then you're thinking, okay, maybe Bray Wyatt can carry Ryback, make sure he can go a 10-minute match. And I, as I look at my notes, the, na- the match actually went 15 yeah. minutes, 15 minutes and 36 seconds. Um, I was, for the first time, approved and saying Ryback can go in a title-type match that can go longer for 10 minutes where he's just not doing two moves and squashing somebody. So I was really proud of Ryback on that. But at the same time, I think the crowd agreed that the right person went over we just waiting for Bray Wyatt to get that next push and get a title chance. But we know that Ryback deserves a title chance as well. So it did both good for both people. Um, I think Bray Wyatt did what he needed to do to carry Ryback. I think Ryback needed to go under and Bray would go over so he can show that Bray is the continued dominance. We just got to get Bray a good signature win at a, at a title type of uh, matching in a pay-per-view. But yeah. I think it did good for both, both people. A random note, just kind of something I just thought of. Wouldn't it be interesting if they're going to do the Lana-Rusev breakup, put Lana with Ryback and have him defend her honor? Because I'm I'm not really getting into so much him. Um, his feuds are all based on the fact that he wants fed more. Like, okay, I, bro, I get hungry sometimes too, man. I don't feel that much sympathy for you. But, like, that would at least give Rusev somewhere to go. I don't know. Because, like... The Dolph thing was just kind of random. I'm sure the group can comment on that more next week. But that's just just an observation I wanted to throw out there. Um, the Cena-Rusev I Quit match, man, that match went all over the arena. Um, I thought it was well done. I think there's been better I Quit matches. Um, it, it feels, it's tough for me. It was the blow-off match for the feud, and, like, it didn't have as definitive or resolutive an ending as I would have liked. What are... Um, did it was the match was let me let me go back was Cena over with the live crowd? It sounded like he kind of was. He was over 50-50. Um, literally, it was. And and like we remember, we started this when we was at New Orleans and Mania. Yes, we did. John Cena sucks was like the ultimate thing when he came out, but Cena still was the face here, the ultimate face, especially by the kids were strong there and cheering for him, but it was still a lot of heat against Cena for Cena sucks because they just want, and I know if D-Wayne was here, he would talk about the Cena monster, you know, you fed that Cena monster, which I think is hilarious. But everybody just wanted, even though everybody expected Cena to win, we wanted Rusev to have a good showing. And like you said, this match was all over the place. I was upset for the fact on two reasons. Um, One reason I thought Rusev or just the gimmick of Mike Kyoto holding that microphone, asking every five seconds, Cena, do you quit? Cena, do you quit? You know, and, How about and now? It kind of got annoying. It's like, you know he's not going to quit that early. He's super Cena. And then, and then the other thing that I was a little bit upset about was I thought this match could involve more violence. I, I thought it could have had more chairs. I thought it could have had at least more tables. It's staying going all over the place. Because when I was watching this, this is Bray Wyatt versus Cena right after WrestleMania last year. That's why I thought in my yeah. head the whole time. Yeah, it's, um, and you knew how it was going to end, and it's just kind of like, well, I, I really like both of these young upcoming heels. Like, can't we give them a little shine? But I guess not. Like, which makes me incredibly fearful what's going to happen to Kevin Owens in a week and a half, but we kind of yes, already talked about yes. that a couple days ago. Um, I think maybe the reason they had the lack of chairs, and I'm just looking at it from a booking standpoint, you had a match that was really full 
of a lot of those type of gimmicks you're talking about in the main event. And maybe they just try to work out, you use ABC, we'll use X, Y, and Z in our match type of thing. And maybe we don't need to have two giant gimmick matches on a pay-per-view. Maybe just have one so they feel more special. I agree. I, I would have expected more because if you're going to say those two words, it really needs to mean something. It really does. Right. Um, right. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead to the main event. Um, okay. I I think Seth Rollins, starting at the Rumble and moving forward, he's on a string of just really great quality pay-per-view matches, several of which are multi-person matches, which are Agreed. difficult to pull off and difficult to do well. I mean... I think, and maybe I'm just looking too far ahead here, when I went to SmackDown, they had Ambrose versus Rollins in the main event, and then mm-hmm. there was some interference by the authority, which led to Roman Reigns coming out, so he ended the show with the Shield all together in the ring. I thought it was great. And then here you had the Shield powerbomb through the table, um, and the crowd chanting, this is awesome, and freaking out. Like, please tell me we're foreshadowing to the main event in Arlington next year, yes? Triple threat? I, I, I think... That's the best way to go, honestly, you know, with respect to Brock Lesnar as being the ultimate, I guess, superpower of WWE right now, the big face, the rock, Triple H, even Ronda Rousey, his name is being potentially thrown out. But I think if you start with a big faction of three up and coming superstars as the shield, that not only did great as a team, but great as individuals, I think that has to be your moneymaker triple threat uh, for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I cannot agree more. Uh, just the chemistry, not only that these guys came up together, but how they work against each other was great. Even the small touches when Reigns went against Ambrose for that hot little second. Mm-hmm. You felt like, man, these two could probably put on a great match. And they didn't let and them do it too like, long. You just get a taste. Right. You just get a taste right. for now. Taste. Great right. building. If that's right. what they're building towards. Right, exactly. So I, I agree with you. I, I really think as of right now, you know, as we stand in May, of course, anything could change. People can come out and break through. You don't know what pay-per-view is going to line up later. But I think that could be your, your main event for uh, May 32 in Arlington, for sure. Um, Any other spots in the match that you really enjoyed? I think there were so many, but were there any other spots that particularly stood out to you being there live? No, not a spot, but a comedic reaction, though. Just when you said about Ryback, feed me more. Don't be surprised if you start hearing this more. Crowd was actually chanting. You probably cannot hear it on TV. Feed me s'mores. Like they wanted to feed them s'mores. So I thought that was very hilarious when he was talking about that for Ryback. Because I think people just put on the, what you just said. You know, the only gimmick is saying feed me more. But feed me more of what? You want some food? What? You know, you're, you're yeah. not winning right now. But he's doing a good job progressing as a character. But don't be surprised if you hear people say feed me s'mores in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I guess um, we like to do grades on this show. What would you grade um, 10 being the best, uh, 1 or 0 being the absolute worst? How would you grade the pay-per-view being there live? Honestly, I would grade it probably about a 7.5 or 8. And that may be a little bit high for some folks. I know some people did not particularly care for the pay-per-view too much. But I did not have any expectations going into this pay-per-view. I thought some stories weren't booked correctly in the Raw's prior but I guess just the energy from the Baltimore crowd, which was great the whole night, it just brought more atmosphere in the show. And just part of more of that plug that I put in with Access TV early was Stone Cold. Uh, Stone Cold even said himself, he said he feeds off that crowd. And when you have wrestlers have good crowds, it, it feeds off more. Just like, you know, we're educators, and when we have good classes and our students are very engaged in our classes, it wants us to teach more. So it's just, if you have that crowd for energy, for 
wherever show you're attending to, just make sure you give these wrestlers the props of what they're doing. Yes, it's not hard work. They're going out there on a live show doing great entertainment work, even speaking on one-take mic shots of doing promos that they need that energy from the crowd, whether they're heel or babyface. Um, so I thought the crowd really did a good job. And I thought the wrestling aspect of the show was great. Talking about going back to the, uh, the tag team match, two out of three falls, great wrestling. Going to the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, it was great wrestling. And that's what it needs to come down to. First word has to be wrestling. It's a wrestling show. Granted, we want to be entertained, but it's about the wrestling. And this is what we're here for. So I, I would say 7.5 or 8. What about you? Aaron, when you looked at it on the TV view? I would say, I would put it at about a 7. I think what, if the creative's not always there with the writing, with the booking, um, you at least know that with the amount of talent they've got in that company right now, mm-hmm. at least the the work rate's going to be solid. At least it's going right. to be solid matches. Um, and I, I kind of, like, you know, I try to go in without expectations and just let it play out, because I at least know I'm going to get some solid work um, from the talent in the ring. And that's Really why I fell in love with professional wrestling in the first place. So, yeah, I would go about a seven. I would go about a seven. I think I maybe enjoyed Extreme Rules just a touch more, but um, mm-hmm. it's nothing that's been terribly subpar. I've, I've enjoyed the product from uh, Royal Rumble to this point so far, for sure. And I, li- I like uh, with certain characters where we're headed, um, speaking as a group who's attending WrestleMania next year, I like where we're headed, for sure. Absolutely. Now, let's switch and transition for you, because like you said, you was in Illinois, and you saw the SmackDown recorded on April 28th, but it was the April 30th SmackDown edition, the last one of April of this year. Now, I've only been to one SmackDown recording in my whole watching wrestling career, and it was a part of a Monday before Mania of 30, and it was only a small segment with Hulk Hogan, maybe one or two matches, one featuring Cesaro. So how is the pacing of a SmackDown recording now. I mean, is it a fast pace? Is a lot of breaks in between? Describe that feeling for me. Uh, you know what? It was. It's interesting. They did a dark match before the show started. Um, my buddy and I went and got dinner at a German place about an hour and a half before the show. We got in and we sat down. and They taped the, um, the live King of the Ring special for the network, which was great. I All can right. check that off my bucket list uh, as a wrestling fan now. And then after that... You're kind of like, all right, let's do SmackDown. And then they bring out the ring aprons for main event. Which is a show I I must confess I do not follow consistently. (laughs) Um, I liked when they were doing different live things that kind of connected to the storylines on Raw when they first started the network. Obviously, they don't do that anymore, and I don't watch main event anymore. Um, The one shining part of main event was Stardust. I don't even remember who he worked. He went over. But um, he had a real fun little match, and he was really giving it to the crowd. And he wore that... Real big robe getup that he wore um, coming out at Mania nice. this year, which was cool. Nice. But then by the time you had King of the Ring, you had the dark match, and then you had main event, I mean, I'd already seen five or six matches, and I was just like, oh, wow, we have a long night ahead of us. And wow. then SmackDown, I think, consisted of like at least six matches and various segments. And by the time we got out of there, man, I, it was about the length of a WrestleMania, what we figured about. and. Wow. So, it's not that the pacing of the show was poor. They had some, you know, promo segments in between matches just to kind of let people get to the bathroom or whatever. But I, I wish they could have picked it up faster. But um, I'll give them a break on that because I got to see King of the Ring live. And not everybody right. can say that. So, a little, little long for my taste, but what are you going to do? So, in, my, in your opinion, and this is my question to you, where do you see SmackDown going? Because they move from Fridays to Thursdays. 
It's only two hours. It seemed like it's just a lot of cleanup from what's on a three-hour roll. Uh, what do you see the future of SmackDown? I mean, it, when they moved to Thursdays, they, they had some storylines that were almost independent of Raw. That was where you almost exclusively saw Daniel Bryan, which I liked. It gave the show kind of a fresh feeling, more of a, a feeling of, I need to watch this. I'm going to be missing something if I don't watch this. And... Now, like you said, it's just different iterations of the multi-tag matches or rematches, rather, that we saw on Raw a couple days ago. And I don't follow Raw, or I don't follow SmackDown as consistently anymore. Um, my DVR is kind of logged up on Thursdays anyways because we got Scandal on and we have Big Bang Theory on. And um, now that all of our shows are kind of wrapped up, SmackDown has room to record. So, you know, I'll peck away at what I like on the weekends. But I don't think that they treat it like something that's unique um it almost makes me and i never thought i would say this miss the brand split a little bit i really liked the two just about to come to that yeah the the two different vibes with two different world titles two different sets of unique storylines like maybe you weren't feeling what was on raw that week but smackdown like you remember the smackdown six that they had where it was just great workers and those guys were having awesome storylines and paul Heyman was writing the show there for a time it was good stuff but you know I think it's. I think Raw is what you really need to follow. Uh, I honestly look forward to NXT above all else lately, but that's just me, and probably not just me actually. <laughs> nah, it's a lot of people. A lot of us WWE Network folks that definitely love that Wednesday at nine o'clock or eight to ten if you had the pay per view special. So yes, sir. definitely, I agree with you on that. Now, here's my one question for you, because I know uh, we're losing track of time, and we make sure we're good on time. Now, if you had your opportunity to, let's say, you was Paul Levesque for a day. Let's say you were Paul Levesque for a day. Would you keep Raw three hours of SmackDown the way it is, or just going back to your brand extension, go back to the draft where you have a Raw roster, a SmackDown roster, and you can use this network to maybe have a Raw pay-per-view and a SmackDown pay-per-view so you can maximize how much you use for your network? If, I think that's interesting. If you did it that way, like I remember when they did the brand split, you had the big four pay-per-views, Raw, Rumble, Mania, um, SummerSlam Survivor Series, they both had both rosters, and then the other ones had separate pay-per-views, and I think that may be where we really got the hard and fast 12 pay-per-view during the year schedule, and when they had New Year's Revolution in there, then it was like 13 and sometimes 14 if they did another, like, um, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, I know that's going back before the brand extension, but just stuff like that. Um, If you were going to do it that way, I think you would want to have more co-branded pay-per-views, not just for it. My Money in the Bank almost feels like it's replaced Survivor Series in that mm-hmm. big four echelon at this point, at least in my opinion. I think it just means more in the scope of the year of wrestling. Um, but I think you'd want to have more co-branded. And I don't necessarily mind Raw being at the three-hour mark at this point. I, th- I think there's too much revenue t- in TV to kind of take that away at this point. But... <sighs> It's just a lot of content, I think, yes. differentiating the product. And maybe it doesn't have to be a brand extension, but just having your stories here on Raw and then having a different set of stories here, just so it's some it's a different form of the product and it doesn't make the product you see on Monday nights feel as diluted. So right. um, I liked where they were going with that when they first made the move back to Thursdays with Daniel Bryan, but then once he went out, it kind of seems like, Roman Reigns is doing a little more main eventing. You don't see Orton or Cena as much type of thing. Which is so good. Which is good. I think they have a lot of work to do. I bringing in the NXT guys up to TV, you know, dabbling with that with Sami Zayn on Raw with Kevin Owens on Raw. I think that's a good step. We don't want to overuse or overextend those guys because they're still 
you want NXT to feel special and not become diluted like the rest of the product. So I am, I think that there's room to improve. It's interesting what they're doing. Um, I just hope that they tread lightly. I agree. I agree with you totally. Um, past that point, man, um, we can speak to King of the Ring a little bit, I guess, before we head out. Um, I think it was cool to see it live. I'm not a fan of the way they've used it in the, um, every couple years they've brought it out since, um, I guess, well, Brock won it in 02 or 01, or I think it was 02. And then the the next time they brought it back, correct me if I'm wrong, would have been when King Booker won it in 06. Yep. And then you had Regal win it in like... 08 or 09, something like that. And then Sheamus was 2010. Yep. And then had they not done it since then until now, or am I missing one? I think uh, I think that was it because I know personally for me, King Booker with the gimmick that he ran with that, I think that was oh. the best when he was a world title champion during that time. It was, it was the, the best. best. And after that, I think kind of went down in a way. It just seems like what they're using it for now is to like take a heel who's kind of treading water a little bit and try to give them a boost. Right. Give them sort of a stamp that makes them mean more. And they trot the King gimmick out for a little bit. But then, like, you don't, like, what's Barrett doing right now? I, I think he's in the chamber match, right? He is in the chamber match, but it, it's still that continual with Neville going back and forth. So, I don't, I don't yeah. know where his character's going. And now they've got Neville involved in a feud, kind of an NXT throwback feud with Bo Dallas, which, like, I right. think that's great. It's just... I think so, too. It's just... They, they built such a cool little rivalry in that tournament with um with Barrett and Neville, and they wrestled a couple times on TV. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they faced off at Payback this past yes, Sunday when we were there. Which was very dead in the crowd, too, because the crowd's seen it a lot. We've so. seen it a lot, and, like, I guess if you're going to put the King of the Rings stamp on Barrett and put him in a class of guys like Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Harley mm-hmm. Race, that type of people, like, do something meaningful with him, like, have him start bullying Neville and just beating him down every week because Neville is kind of the new high flyer crowd favorite. Like, get bared over as a heel more. Like, never let Neville win against him. I don't know. Like, do something of importance with him if you're going to make him the king of the ring. But one positive I will say is that I think Neville had a platform to shine on, and I, man, he was so over with the crowd. He was nice. so was over. Good. Good. Dude can work. Um, very entertaining live. Um, I don't think his size will stand in the way as much as it might have been uh, years past WWE. So I guess the one positive I'll take away from it was that it was really cool to see Neville live for the first time, and I look forward to see what they do with him. It seems like, although he's ate some losses, um, he's looked good while losing, and that's the right way that both guys can make each other. So that was the one big positive. It's cool that I saw King of the Ring live, but ultimately it's not going to mean much in the grand scheme of things because I don't think I don't think they figured out how to use Barrett, and I think that by having them lose that Nexus match at SummerSlam several years oh, back and God, then have him great. and then how he was white hot as a heel and then have him not win the title against Orton at that Survivor Series where Cena was the ref. Yes. I don't know if there's much going back. He was white hot at that oh point. Oh my gosh, yes he was. And yes, I don't know was. how you get him back to even a portion of how over as he he was back then. So I just think it's a waste. I don't know. Sad, but it's very true. That Nexus gimmick was the, oh, it was the hottest thing over and him being the leader. Oh, that was the ultimate best. And when they tried to bring it back with CM Punk, it wasn't the same. It wasn't uh, the that same. was the best time for Wade career. Yeah, that and, time. 
And then they went back and they figured out how to do a heel faction right, which is why you now have three new main eventers in the Shield, who yep. what we're predicting now could be main eventing in Arlington, Texas, Dallas, Texas next week in front of 100,000 plus. We can't wait to be there. We're going to be filling you guys in with a lot more about our plans for Dallas um, moving forward. I think we're all planning on arriving that Friday, April yep. 1st, 2016. We plan on going to what we hope will be an NXT show, if that becomes a Friday of Mania Weekend tradition. Uh, we plan on hitting up downtown Dallas and downtown Arlington on Saturday. And then the big day on Sunday. We already have been salivating at the thought of being in the same room and podcasting. Um, yes. It's going to be awesome. No, We had a lot of uh, technological issues with the mic on my end tonight. We recorded via Google Hangout, um, but we worked through it. Um, so just give us a chance to get better at this. We're going to continue to produce higher, produce higher quality. I'm going to try and uh, spice up the outro that you hear today with all of our social media. We are now on iTunes officially, so please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we're plugging away at social media. Celis has been um, a mad dog on Twitter for you guys. He live-tweeted throughout the NXT show. It's about yep. SmackDown last night. So um, any closing remarks, Mr. Celis, before I wish thee a good evening? Uh, no, just look forward to listen for you guys to listen to us on our next uh, outing. It may be the Elimination Chamber match preview or the pay-per-view preview. Um, you just have to wait and see, but just stand by. We're trying to do this once a week, so if you guys can follow us on Facebook, uh, you know, I mean, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and just continue to listen to us on the podcast. Yeah, just to follow up, we, we do intend to do once a week for sure with as much or um, all of our complete group of five we may just do little one-offs where it's just a couple of us, like tonight. Um, it's just kind of as our schedule allows or as things interest us that we wanted to talk about. And he and I had attended these events recently, so we wanted to make sure we got our thoughts out there before memories faded away, as it were. So um, we're going to leave you guys for tonight, hoping to get this posted before uh, midnight here in Central Time. Um, but for Celis, this is Aaron. Check you guys later. See ya. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Belt. Email us at BigGoldBeltGroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.